Welcome to episode 54 of the No Block Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Green. And just like all the other 53 episodes, we have so much to get to. The NBA trade deadline just happened. I'm going to give you, I got two editions of Red Light, Green Light this time. Basically winners and losers for uh, new listeners. I'm doing the NBA trade deadline and I'm doing NFL free agency. And then we also have the final four and the championship game. I'm going to give you my preview and predictions for both of them, or what I think is going to happen to end the college basketball season. But first, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind, and that is the buyout market in the NBA. It's always known that the end in the NBA, the rich get richer. In free agency, no one's going to Memphis, okay? They're not going to Utah, right? They're going to the Lakers, they're going to LA, they're going, even though New York hasn't been big, they're going to the Heat. I mean... Now it's Brooklyn, and the buyout market is just continued, just has continued that. And I don't get the buyout market. It's like the waiver deadline after the at the MLB trade deadline. Yeah, the trade deadline is July thirty first, but then you have the waiver deadline to August thirty first. You claim someone on waivers, you can make a trade done. It's the point of the trade deadline. The trade deadline should be the same way. You can't do any acquisitions unless it's like a season ending injury. LaMarcus Aldridge gave up like $5 million of his salary just to get paid the league million of $2.1 million for the rest of the year and to be on a team that wasn't contending to a team that is contending. Hence, also making that said team much, not much better, but better. You could say whatever you want, that Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge aren't as good as they used to be, and yes, that's true, and I get that. But you're not telling me if LaMarcus Aldridge is your center, is your fifth option, and he's... You, I mean, you can't double, you, know, you got, can't double KD, because then James Harden and Kyrie are open, right? Can't double Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are open. Let's just say you throw doubles at all of them. Let's just say you're playing perfect defense, and Lamarcus Aldridge, who has been a sniper for mid range his entire career, gives a steady base of twos and knows his role, just gets hot and puts up 20 points in the NBA Finals game. You're gonna sit there and say that's fair. Oh, you also have Joe Harris, right? I Joe Harris is no scrub, right? Three point sniper. To go along with it. It's creating super teams. The NBA was so great last year. Because it was just a bunch of duos. Attacking the league. It was a bunch of duos just going at it. And now. It's changed once again. And I, I listen. People are, people always talk to me. that I'm a huge LeBron James fan. right? And if the Lakers in the NBA Finals. I'm going to root for them. right? But I don't think it's fair either. That Andre Drummond just goes to the Lakers now. And makes them instantly better. It's not. It's not fair at all, and it's dumb. But you know the reason why the Lakers had to do it? It's because the Nets did it. I mean, if the Nets didn't do it, the fair, LaMarcus Aldridge shouldn't have been on the Heat, a team that needs him. Or like the Celtics, the team that needs him. Andre Drummond should have went to the Celtics, a team that needs him. It's unfair that these buyout markets, and you're telling me any of these teams are going to go to a lower-level team? I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as free agency. Listen, I'm all about power to the players, man. I am. But if you're on a $20 million salary and you only have to give up $8 million of that, when you've already made, you know how much money LaMarcus Meldridge has made in his career? You know how much money Blake Griffin has made in his career? You should have to give the entire salary back. You should have to give up the, if, you, if this bar market's thing, you should have to give the entire salary back because you're giving up. That's the truth. You're giving up. You cannot tell me that the Spurs didn't try to work things out with LaMarcus Aldridge all these years and say, hey, we want you to be here. 
Lamarcus Aldridge probably didn't like his role. No, he got demoted and he said, you know what? I'm out. I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. You can't trade me. Buy me out. Because that's how the NBA is today. It's soft. It's soft in the fact that not the players are actually soft. Just the fact that if they don't get the right situation, they can get out easily. And that's unfair. And the issue is, LaMarcus Aldridge gave up $5 million to now play for a championship. Blake Griffin gave up like $3 million to go play for a championship. Why is that fair? The Nets were missing one thing in their game. The one thing that could have held them back. When they traded for James Harden, they killed their depth a little bit, right? And they didn't really have a lot of size. Yes, DeAndre Jordan was your center. He's a great rebounding center, but he's not strong. It's going to be hard to check Giannis in that big lineup. It's going to be hard to check Embiid. Even the Heat with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they're big boys that are going to attack the paint vigorously. Now, now they can throw bodies at you. Now you've got three centers that throw bodies at you. Now I'm going to put Blake Griffin there. And now you have a lot more offensive versatility at the 5-2 with LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. You instantly got better. And everyone's going to say, well, why wouldn't the Nets get better? And that's not the point. I have no issue with the Nets getting better. I have issue with the whole standard that this thing can exist. It's unfair. The Lakers got better and the Nets got better. The two teams at the beginning of the year, right, or before that, when James Harden was there, who was the favorites in the East? It was the Brooklyn Nets. Did anything change before that? Before Andre Drummond got there, who was the favorite in the West when everyone's healthy? It was the Los Angeles Lakers. Has anything changed? I don't like... Even though I could tell you that the Lakers and the Nets would probably end up in the NBA Finals against each other, at least I want to make it more convincing to myself that some other team can. I thought the Jazz were having a fantastic year. The Nuggets acquiring Aaron Gordon now means less. Does it not? I mean, does the Miami Heat now getting Victor Oladipo mean nothing? Right? Now they have no chance. Right? Maybe you had Victor Oladipo, things start to click. Maybe the Heat, maybe, you know, test the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not saying they win, but they test them. I mean, the Clippers are still great. And honestly, the Clippers could still put up a fight against the Lakers. It's not really about the West. Because the West is still good. Right? And I, I still hate how Andre Drummond's there. And I think it's terrible. But the West is still good. The East? I mean, the East might be a wrap. And the bot market shouldn't even be a thing. It's a joke and it makes zero sense. And that's what's on my mind. All right, so before the actual buyout happened and I started to get a little less intrigued by the NBA season, I'm actually still fully in. It just got a little less interesting to me. The NBA trade deadline did happen. So I'm going to do a new edition of Red Light, Green Light, uh, which is just winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. Green Light means good. It's a little pun on my words. Last name's Green. Green Light is good. Red Light is I didn't like what you did. So first, let's start with the Denver Nuggets, and they get a green light for the Denver Nuggets. Listen, acquiring Aaron Gordon was was very pivotal because you lost your team was clearly not as good as last year Nikola Jokic is the MVP right now and that's the truth but your team was not as good as last year you lost Jeremy Grant yeah you lost me please at the trade deadline last year but still it's something you didn't have for almost a half a season a 20 point per game score and you lost Torrey Craig so you lost three legitimate depth pieces that you haven't had for a year and you didn't really uh, fix that Honestly, you didn't fix that. So now you have four legit scores. And now this also has a second versatile wing in Michael Porter Jr. And, uh, and Aaron Gordon. So I like what they're had now. Now they can do different lineups. They can always have two a two playmakers and scores out at all times. And Will Barnes, also a very good player. So you got a little deeper with Aaron Gordon coming in. 
Um, you got better. And they've, they've been skyrocketing since. They're now in the fourth seed or tied for the fourth, fifth seed with the Lakers. And I like where they're at. And I, I think they can continue to make a run. I think they can get the two seed if they continue this run. I, I love Phoenix, but Phoenix has to take a dip eventually, in my opinion. And the Clippers are going to keep resting teams. Rest, sorry, resting players against teams. And sometimes they lose games they shouldn't. So I like this Nuggets team. And I like exactly what they did. All right, red light. The Chicago Bulls. Listen. You're going to say, yeah, they got Nikolai Vucevic, and he's a very talented player. But last time I checked in the standings, they're still three games out of the playoffs. And does do you, does anyone here think this moves gets them over the hump? Like, they're still not better than the Celtics, who are the eight seed. Yeah, could you argue they're better than the Knicks? Yeah, they got better star power, but are they a better team? They don't play defense like the Knicks. Let's just be honest. Like, they just don't. And are they? you could say their talent is equal to the Hornets even, but yet... The Hornets are winning games without LaMelo Ball, and clearly they're not a better team. I mean, that's the truth. That's what it's been like for the Bulls for the last four or five years. They got talent, but I don't know how good of a team that they are. So not only do I think you're not going to get over the hump, you also gave up two first-round picks, including this year's, which probably be a top-ten pick because I don't think you're going to make the playoffs, or at least near that. Um, they did get some of the contracts, like Alaport Jr., and Vucevic is clearly an upgrade over Wendell Carter, who clearly wasn't working out and wasn't in their future plans. The reason they did this is simple, okay? They wanted to prove to Zach Levine that they're trying to win. You you can't just stand pat every single year. Zach Levine's eventually going to leave you. The, just the truth is, even though I get why they did it, right, and you have to do it, me personally, I don't think it gets it done. So in long term, Zach Levine might still leave. So because of that possibility, and honestly, that's the truth. If he's, I mean, he's just going to leave eventually if he wants to win or force his way out. I, I don't like this move by the Bulls. That's just me. I just don't like it. You're giving up assets, and you're still not making the playoffs. I don't like it. So red light, Chicago Bulls. All right, let's go to the green light, the team that traded these two players, Aaron Gordon and Nikolai Vucic, and that's the Orlando Magic. I like what they're doing. Let's be honest. As a Sixers fan, I remember us making the eighth seed every year round and barely being good, barely being over 500. We said, let's tank. I don't say you have to full tank like the Magic are doing, but so far they've done a pretty good job. You got rid of Aaron Gordon, Nick, Nikolai Vucevic, and Fournier, who got traded to the Celtics. You got younger, and you got three first-round picks, right? Wendell Carter Jr. is now there, Gary Harris, and RJ Hampton are all three there. Plus, you got Cole Anthony, Marco Fulge, Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki, like... You got players there now who are young. Mo Bamba, I mean, I know he hasn't panned out, but still, like, you got young players there, and you're replacing a youth movement and a good coach, in my opinion, Steve Clifford, who's been in bad situations, and is a very good players coach that can get you through that. Listen, they realize a smart thing. They don't want to make the eight seed every single year. Might as well tank. I like what they did. Last two years, when I've done my NBA preview, I said the same thing about the Magic. They didn't get better. Eight seed, seven seed at best. If that's what you're content with, that's what you're content with. But clearly, they weren't content with it, and they've made the move, and I think it was a smart decision. And I, I like how they're embracing the, the semi-tank, I guess what you call it. So I'm going green light. All right, red light, Houston Rockets. This is the easiest red light I think I've ever had. It's all over NBA Twitter. They could have all over NBA Twitter. They could have had Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, Tyrese Maxey, and three firsts. That's from the Sixers. They probably could have also had Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and X amount of first-round picks from the Brooklyn Nets. They still got the first-round picks from the Brooklyn Nets, but they got Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, sent the younger player to Indiana, and sent the other young center to Cleveland. Who then, you got Victor Oladipo because you wanted to flip him for more assets, I assumed. That's what we all assumed. But then you offered him a contract extension, and he said no. 
and then he got traded to the Heat for Olenek, Avery Bradley, the first round pick swap, swipe. So I'm getting you get the better of the first round picks, but you're the worst team anyway in the scenario. So the odds are you won't even swap it. We'll see if that works. Um, I, it's just I don't know what they're doing. Um, I like the. I remember the Steven Silas got hired. I like the hire. Good offensive minded coach with the highest offensive efficiency in NBA history with the Mavericks. But Harden left, and that's the truth. I mean, that was the team. That was the offense. And now John Wall plays very few games. Christian Wood's been hurt. I mean, I like Daniel House. The Rockets are in a weird situation. You didn't get rid of Daniel House, couldn't have gotten assets for him. You didn't get rid of Eric Gordon, couldn't have gotten assets for him. You're not trading Christian Wood. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. is a good asset that they acquired. KJ Martin's a good asset that they acquired. They're in a weird spot. The truth is John Wall definitely won't be on the team next year, but I don't know what you're going to trade him for. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. So we'll see what the Houston Rockets do, but that's a red light for me. All right, green light, Brooklyn Nets, and I'm just going to keep this one fast and simple. Here's the truth. I was telling when, when I go on my little rant about the buyout market, no team in my mind made a move for me to not change my mind that they are still the team to beat in the NBA. There was not a significant trade. If Kyle Lowry would have made the six, joined the Sixers, and they didn't give up that much, like only like Tyrese Maxey, then you're adding a really good player for you're not losing anything depth wise. If Kyle Lowry could also find his way to the Heat, Kyle Lowry and Victor Oladipo, and you probably go Duncan Robinson, but Lowry, Hero, Depot, Jimmy Butler, and Bam out of bio. I mean, that's a squad. I mean, that's the truth. And you still got none. Goran Dragic. I mean, Bielitsa. I mean, you would have been precious with Tua. You would have had a great team. So no team at the trade deadline did anything special for me not to believe that the Brooklyn Nets are not the team to beat in the NBA. So for me, they still get a green light. All right, last but not least, the Toronto Raptors red light. I just mentioned about Kyle Lowry. Masai Ujiri is one of the smartest basketball minds that I have I've ever seen. He takes people like Chris Boucher and Ojan Nubi and just makes them very solid players and such raw talent. That's also a credit to the coaching staff, but he finds his people. Also like Pascal Siakam, all right? But I don't get what they're doing with Kyle Lowry. Like they traded Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. And I like that deal actually a lot. I, I'm a big Gary Trent Jr. fan, but I don't get the reasoning and I think Masai, this is what he's thinking. I'm still going to give him a relay, but this is what, if I was him, I'd still be thinking. Yeah, the NBA trade deadline, he didn't get traded. But the NBA, even in free agency, you can get traded as a free agent. Unless it happened to Chris Paul when he's a free agent. He signed with the Houston Rockets, and it was a sign and trade. I mean, LeBron James, he got traded. I mean, when Kevin Durant went to the Nets, they basically traded him D'Lo because D'Lo said, I go to the Warriors. You can do like a sign and trade. So Lowry could still sign with the Sixers or the Heat, and you could still get assets back because of it, because of roster spots and all that. So and cap space issues. So like the side, the 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 trade is still possible, and I think that's what he's thinking. But I give it a red light because if it's true that Duncan Robinson was on the table for the Raptors, I don't understand why Masai Ujiri didn't pull the trigger. That's the truth. That's one of the best shooters in the game in the NBA. That's, I mean, focusing on three point shooting. I think you've gotten first Duncan Robinson maybe Precious Achua or Casey Agapala young assets in the first I think you could have gotten the deal done so I don't know Masai Jury's obviously a little bit smarter about basketball than I am so maybe he's got a plan my guess is and maybe we'll go back on this Lowry goes somewhere else in free agency but a sign and trade happens and he gets his assets and that's what I think happens but that's red light green light for uh, the NBA trade uh, deadline we'll see what happens 
Uh, I think the Miami Heat did make some really good moves. I didn't add them on here. The Sixers made a good move. Um, uh, I'm not many. I mean, this wasn't that eventful of a trade deadline, in my opinion. Portland made a good move with Norman Powell, but otherwise, that wasn't the best trade deadline was supposed to be, in my opinion. Lonzo Ball didn't get traded. Kyle Lowry didn't get traded. John Collins didn't get traded. So some of the names you thought might have been traded around the trade block didn't get moved. But that's my red light, green light for uh, the NBA trade deadline. All right, I mentioned there was two red light, green lights in this episode. I think it's the first time ever, so a special episode, episode 54. And this time, we're going to do the NFL free agency. Um, This happened a couple weeks ago, and honestly, I was kind of waiting for more things to go down because sometimes there's late signings, and there's still a lot of free agents left, and I might touch on that um, next week. But I'm just going to give you a red light, green light, what I like. Last time I started a green light on the NBA trade deadline, I'm going to start with red light this time. My first red light is the Baltimore Ravens, and here's why. The Baltimore Ravens are going to make the playoffs. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows they're still a top five, top eight team, at least in the NFL. I mean, a lot can change in the NFL in one year, but they're easily a top five, eight team in the NFL, but they haven't gotten better. I mean, that's the truth. They haven't gotten out of the second round of the playoffs and Lamar Jackson's been there. He's 1-3 in his career in his playoffs. And the issue is clearly they don't have enough weapons offensively. They have no wide receiving weapons, and that's the truth. And they still have that same issue. Yes, they added Sammy Watkins, but that was their third choice. They tried to get Juju, failed. There was reports they tried to get T.Y. Hilton, failed. They also lost a big piece in Matthew Judon. I mean, if you if you don't keep improving, right, eventually you're going to be dethroned. They play in a tough dis- division. I mean, the Browns are, con- I-, I think, continuously going to be good. The Steelers still have an elite defense, and that's the truth. They still have an elite defense. I- and once they get rid of Ben, maybe they'll even get even better. Baltimore's window isn't as big as I think they feel with Lamar Jackson. And once you pay Lamar Jackson, which you're about to pay him your contract extension, right? Which may be why you let Judon go, some pieces go. Well, then you don't have room to even improve your roster even more. So I don't like what the Ravens did. I think they're in a weird spot where you're not you're not better than the Bills right now. Um, you're not better than the Chiefs right now. And to say, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're better than the Browns or the Steelers right now. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended third in their division and made it as a wild card team. I, I wouldn't be shocked, but we'll have to see. But right now, I have the Baltimore Ravens as a red light. All right, green light, New England Patriots. I mean, Bill Belichick got weapons on weapons on weapons, all right? He did not waste any time. On day one, at wide receivers, he got Nelson Aguilar at a career year in uh, Las Vegas. He got Kendrick Bourne, who's always been a good slot third receiver guy in San Francisco when he's needed to be. He went back to the two tight end system, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, two of the best receiving tight ends. I would say two of the top eight receiving tight ends in football. He got two of them. He also got Trent Brown back, who left for Vegas two years ago. It's funny that works gets him back for a seventh-round pick. They reloaded on defense as well. I just mentioned Matthew Judon. They also got Jalen Mills, who fits their system of a hybrid linebacker safety corner that he can be used. I think Bill Belichick will get a lot out of him. He got it pretty cheap, four years, $24 million. And Kyle Van Noy, he was excellent. He was excellent for Miami last year. He was excellent for New England year before. I'm not sure why he got rid of him, but he comes back there in linebacker. And let's not forget, you're also getting back Dante Hightower, an excellent linebacker, an excellent safety in Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, a good, very good guard, and Brandon Bolton, uh, just one of those cogs running backs that they've always had. They all opted out last year, and they're all going to be back. 
Clearly, Bill Belichick is reloaded, and he has a higher first-round pick this year. We'll see what he does with that. Maybe he'll have the quarterback. Maybe he'll trade up. I'm not sure. But the truth is that right now, it's all on Cam Newton. It is. And if they don't win, this is Cam Newton's last chance. I mean, if they don't win, it's clearly Cam Newton's fault. I, I would, be, And it's easy for me to just to say that, and we have to wait for the games to go out and play. But there's no reason, like, I mean, I know Miami's going to get better. I know Buffalo is still very good. And I don't know what the Jets are like. But they're clearly improved. They clearly have a lot more moments. And they're clearly a better roster than last year. And if you went 7-9 and nine last year with that roster, 8-8, and eight, I think they went. There's no reason I think that they can't win 10 games with their kind of schedule, possibly. So, what was it? seven? It's 17 games. I don't even highlight that. So, a 10-7 and seven record, I think, is very attainable. So, a green light for the New England Patriots. All right, red light. Tennessee Titans. They lost a lot of defensive pieces. They lost Malcolm. They cut Malcolm Butler and lost Dory Jackson. And let's not forget that they cut. They traded Desmond King last year. So you're without your top three corners from the year before. I just mentioned you lost John New Smith to the Patriots. Clowney is also gone. But the biggest loss that you got was not even a player. It was that you lost Arthur Smith. Where the offense was a top five offense in the last two years. And it, it, you don't understand how pivotal your OC is until you lose him. I don't know if it's going to be a smooth selling for Ryan Tannehill and company. Also, I mentioned they lost Corey Davis, just their third receiver, and Adam Humphreys, their fourth. So, you, I mean, you still have your two main receivers. But I don't know how it's going to go now in uh, Tennessee. I mean, that's the truth. I, I personally don't know. I think it's going to be a weird year. They still play in a weird division, let's be honest. The Colts bring back the entire squad and add Wentz. You would assume that they're pretty confident that they'll improve and make the playoffs. The Jaguars will have Trevor Lawrence. That is enough for them. They won two games or one game last year, whatever. I assume they put up more of a competitive fight now this year. And obviously, whatever's going on with the Texans and Deshaun Watson, we have no idea. But assuming Deshaun Watson plays, they're almost in every single game. That's the truth. I don't know what is. I'm not going to make any, you know, assumptions on the situation and what goes on. But if he plays. The Texans always have a chance and are not an easy out. So I don't I'm not a fan of what Tennessee did. It seems like they went all in the two years before, paying everyone, getting a stack squad. And you know what? They they lost. There's nothing wrong with going for it. There's nothing wrong with it. But now they're paying the price, and that's why I give them a red light for this offseason. All right, Greenland. I'm gonna keep this one short and simple. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The whole squad is back. Everyone but Antonio Brown, Shaquille Barrett, Adamican Sue, Levante David, Leonard Fournette, Gronk, and Chris Godwin. Okay, there's no reasons why they aren't the favorites in the NFC next season. That's the truth. Tom Brady got everyone back, got his weapons back. Uh, they dominate. They dominated the Super Bowl. You could see at the best given day, they were the best team. That's the truth. They were the best team. So, um, I hope that. I mean, I, I I was listen. I used to be a big Tom Brady fan, and it kind of faded on me a little bit. But he's the goat for a reason. All he does is win. He's got a stacked squad next year returning. So there's no reason why, to me, they're not the favorites in the NFC. All right, the last team, red lights. Oh, sorry, two more teams. One more red light, the Chicago Bears. And I know what you're saying. Listen, this one was kind of easy because when you say Andy Dalton's going to be your starting quarterback, you got to get a red light, right? To me, it's not just that Andy Dalton's their starting quarterback. I liked when Dallas brought him as a backup, and I thought they could have won games when he was in. I'm serious. I thought they could have. But here's the issue. Andy Dalton got paid $10 million this year. 
They let Trubisky walk. He signed a one-year, $3 million deal with the Bills. Their offense averaged over 30 points per game when Trubisky was the quarterback the last six games. They had a winning record with Trubisky as the quarterback. They made the playoffs two out of the three years like when Trubisky was there. As I'm not saying Trubisky's a savior, but I'm telling you, you win ball games with him at quarterback, and your offense puts up some numbers. And he's got legs. He can use his legs. He's got a decent arm. He's had some good years in the NFL. That's the truth. I, I just didn't get the move. If we're being honest, I, if, if you couldn't get someone on the market, like I understand with the whole Deshaun Watson situation and they tried, or you couldn't get Russell Wilson because they tried, I, I just would have run it back with Trubisky again. In all seriousness, I just would have ran it back with Trubisky one more year. I didn't see going to Andy Dalton as your savior. Now, you also cut one of your best defensive players in Kyle Fuller, and you replaced them with a corner that's simply not better than him in Desmond Trufant. I mean, that's the truth. Kyle Fuller is a better player than Desmond Trufant. And... And the last reason I say this is that, once again, your defense can't be great forever. I mean, we're on year four now of the Chicago Bears defense being really good. And I assume they're going to be really good. I don't know how much longer it can go. That's the truth. I'm not saying it could go for another four or five years. But the way the NFL works is you got to start paying everyone again. you got to start contracts start running out. And people want more money. And other situations rise. And you're not winning in Chicago. And they're going to be like, well, why am I going to be here for I'm not winning? I'm going to go to a winning situation. So maybe you would, I, I'm assuming they, I know they tried to get Watson and Russell Wilson, but maybe trade up. I mean, I think they have a first round pick and go get a quarterback. I mean, that's the truth. Uh, settling to me for Andy Dalton was just not the move. So I give the red, the Bears a red light. All right, last green light. Very similar to the Patriots situation. I'm picking the New York Giants because Daniel Jones finally got a legit number one target in Kenny Galladay, plus they added John Ross. This is their depth in wide receiver tight end. Galladay, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, and of course you can't forget about their main weapon or main uh, person, Saquon Barkley. You also added Dory Jackson. That solidifies your second corner spot to James Bradbury, and James Bradbury was great last year. And Dory Jackson is also a freak of nature, so now you got a very good secondary to go wrong with Logan Ryan. I mean, I like what they have done a lot i mean i like what they have done a lot you also still kept leonard williams and that was a great keep and you ended the year very well last year i think they ended seven and nine but they were in contention for the nfc's at their starting one and five so i'm looking at the rest of the nfc east and obviously i didn't do red lights for everyone but i didn't see the eagles get better at all I mean, that's truth i didn't see the cowboys make any significant moves and the biggest move that the football team made was getting fitzpatrick and William Jackson. So I guess they let Darby go and put William Jackson in. And Curtis Samuel. So the football team did a little bit. But I think they might be the favorites in the East. And I don't know if they're going to be the betting favorites. I think the Cowboys would be. But I think the Giants would be my favorite in my in my, my favorite to win the NFC East. So to me, I give them a green light. But the truth is, it's the same thing I said with Cam Newton. This is it for Daniel Jones. You can't have a winning record this year with all these weapons and a very good defense, in my opinion. And I like Joe Judge as a coach. And I think he's had a very good, you know, outstanding first year. And he's had very respect from the league. Has players playing really hard. So you can't win this year. You're done. Same thing with Cam Newton. Daniel Jones, you can't win this year. You can't put up good numbers. You're done. So green light for Daniel Jones and getting number one weapon in the New York Giants. But this is it for him. Very good year. Very big year, sorry. All right, that was my uh, another edition of Red Light, Green Light. This time, that was uh, NFL Free Agency. All right, last but not least on the show, Final Four. And 
NCAA championship predictions. Um, let's see. Last week, I predicted Gonzaga would be there. I said Baylor would be there. I had Houston losing, and I had Florida State. So I got two out of the four, and that's what I actually had on my actual bracket, too. So two out of four final four picks isn't bad, right? But let's be honest. I think a lot of the country are Gonzaga and Baylor, so I'm not giving myself a round of applause um, for anything. But let's get into the game. So Baylor's a minus five um, versus Houston. And I remember telling myself, if Houston was in Baylor's bracket, I would have picked Houston to beat them. And then I've also watched this tournament, and I have to make a different decision. But the truth is that these teams are very similar. Everyone on the team can guard multiple positions, and they go as far as their guards take them. For Baylor, it's Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. For Houston, it's um, Quentin Grimes, David Giroux, and Marcus Sasser. They also have a lot of undersized fives, yet everyone crashes the glass. That's true. They crash, Both these teams crash the glass relentlessly. For Baylor, it's Mark Vidal. For uh, Houston, it's Gorham. So, but they're undersized. Like you saw Jarrell and Quinn Grimes. Houston's one of the best offensive rebound teams in the country. You saw it against Oregon State. Time after time again, they attacked the glass. The difference in this game is I keep mentioning this when I did my March Madness preview. If Caleb Mills was still on this team, he transferred. Uh, he wanted to go close to the home. He actually transferred to Florida State. If if he was on this team, they would, they would be just as deep as Baylor. Baylor's seven deep. They would have been around six, seven deep. Then honestly, just as talented, just as defensive-minded, just as lengthy, just as gritty. And that's the truth. And I would have picked Houston to win. It's just a one-game scenario. But without Caleb Mills there, Baylor just has the edge. They're just a little deeper and a little better. And Baylor's dismissed everyone that's come their way. Houston had, to me, has struggled. Yes, they beat Syracuse with ease, but they really struggled with Rutgers. Baylor has not struggled in this tourney. Yes, Yes, they were losing to Villanova at halftime. I get that, and that's easy for you to say. But otherwise, that they won that game fairly easy. I mean, I mean, the scores in this game were 79-55. They won. They won by double digits, and I think they were beating Arkansas by a decent amount the entire game. So I'm going to go Baylor 68, Houston 62. Baylor covers, but it's a very good game. I think they just cover late on free throws. So this is a very good game. I would just enjoy it if I had to pick a side. I would say Baylor minus five. All right, let's get to the absolute titans and that's gonzaga versus ucla here's a crazy fact um both these teams have covered every single game in the ncaa tournament um so both of them are covering machines um ucla has so much talent and people don't understand it with cody Riley, tiger campbell uh jackas jr jake kyman and johnny juzang i mean they got talent they just don't got gonzaga talent and no one does um UCLA also, I mean, they just fight in every game. Like, uh, they didn't deserve to beat Alabama. Alabama missed like 14 free throws and played one of their worst games. And I think Michigan played one of their worst games of the year, too. And that's what it's taken for them to win. I mean, I, I just, I mean, John Juzang has been fantastic in every game that he's played. In every game. And once again, he's going to have to be special for this to be a game. The only thing I do like in UCLA's favor is that, listen, you got Tiger Campbell, and he's a very good point guard, a very good point guard who's going to control tempo and limit turnovers, and that's what a great point guard does. If they can limit turnovers and they can control the tempo, they have a chance. Like, that's the truth. They have a chance. I mean, chances, listen, I thought Creighton played well. I did. I mean, there were times where Creighton was going back and forth with Gonzaga, but what happened? Gonzaga was up by 10, and you just feel helpless. 
I mean, listen, UCLA has a <clears throat> UCLA has had a great run from the first four to the final four. First team to do that since Wichita State. But the truth is, the run ends. Johnny Zhang can't be great every single game. I mean, he can. He's gonna have an off day eventually. And I think this might be it. I got Gonzaga 86, UCLA 65. I'm going to go on the Gonzaga side to cover. So we have something that most people probably actually expected in the beginning of the year. The two best teams in college basketball facing in the championship game. And I know last year I went on this uh, rant how college, football's, uh, college basketball is much better than college football because of the unpredictability. And the truth is, I meant that as a wide margin. That's 11 out of the 14 years of one seed has still won the tournament. But the whole tournament itself is crazy. You're never going to Abilene Christian being Texas, Ohio being Virginia. I mean, North Texas being Purdue. And that's what I meant by that, right? But yes, the two best teams in the country the entire year, in my opinion, will meet off in the championship game. I like Baylor's chances. I really do. Every time I watch a team that plays better defense and is also just as deep a team, I think of every time I watch a football game where the best offense plays the best defense. And the best defense usually comes out on top. That's the truth. And when that, it's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Chiefs. Yeah, the offense is unstoppable. No one stopped them. Well, the Bucs have an insane amount of depth on the defensive side, and they still have a really good offense. I'm going to go out of on a limb and say no undefeated team has won the NCAA tournament since 1976. And I think that's going to continue. Would I be shocked and that if Gonzaga won and covered? I'm going to guess that the spread is going to be like minus four for Gonzaga, minus five. Right, but it's the same reason why San Francisco would beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl because when you play teams that good defensively, right, the offense hasn't seen anything like it, and that's why the Chiefs struggled. I think Gonzaga is going to struggle in this championship game scenario. I really do. Um, and eventually they got to get cold. I mean, eventually I'm going to take Baylor to win the championship game, and I would throw that. I would throw money on Baylor. I would. I would throw money on Baylor money line to win it. I don't see a scenario where they cover. They either win. like Obviously, they cover if they win. They either win or they Gonzaga covers. That's what I feel. That is my gut. But I think Baylor wins the national championship this year. And those are my predictions for uh, the final four and for the championship game. So we'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm right if we come back next week. All right. Thank you if you listened all the way through for listening to another edition of No Block Sports. Remember, this is episode 54. You can find all these episodes on noblocksports.com. But easier access, you can just go to my Spotify or my anchor, anchor.fm slash noblocksports. There you can find the Spotify and the Apple Music. Or you can just look up No Block Sports on Spotify or Apple Music for those people that usually have those streaming services. Um, can't wait till next week's episode. Got a lot on the show. Probably talk about the championship game. Um, probably talk about some NFL free agency news. Maybe I'll get, I'll get start start talking about the draft. A couple weeks I gotta get my mock draft out there. So that'll be an episode later. But uh, until next time, thanks guys.